Hey everybody, Chris here. Still trying to figure out what we're going to do for our two-year anniversary. Um, so at the moment, I am saving any calls to the 507-556-7271 number because we may use those. If we don't for that show, we will definitely um, respond as appropriate uh, across future episodes. So please keep calling. And if you have called and haven't heard yourself on the show yet, um, please know that uh, it, it's coming. Um Otherwise, let's see. We're going to be down in Austin in November for the Waftiac Conference, We Agnostics and Free Thinkers International AA Conference. Um, you can find out about that on the recoveryrevolution.online backslash upcoming, as well as uh, future guests on the show. And whatever else we have cooking, someday we'll do... Um, our pop-up bar in St. Louis, but we're also working on uh, something with a bit more range. And uh, I won't make any promises, but we are working towards it, and it will happen someday. Um, so, yeah, call 507-556-7271. Visit therecoveryrevolution.online. Check out our new Sunday comics on Sundays. Drunk Cat Sought Oblivion by Ashley Fontenot. The Recovery Revolution will be podcast on the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Network. Welcome to the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Podcast. The podcast of clean and sober, K-L-E-N and S-O-B-R and SinceRightNow.com. With your hosts in recovery, Jeff, Matt, and Chris. Hello. Hey. Hey. (laughs) A great hello. Uh, (laughs) So I'm back. We are a little bit late. I apologize. With Jeff. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, Aaron. And Matt. Hey, Aaron. Hi. Um, and I'm going to ask you, we're using your last name, yes? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, okay, that's fine. Right. And will you pronounce that for us? <laughs> yes, it is Bahadur. Bahadur. Thank yes. you very much. Bahadur. Um, yes. Is that your husband's last name or is that your last name? Yeah, it's it's my husband's last name. I don't look very Indian. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that's like, I saw your wedding pictures on your site and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, that's where the name came from. Yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, all right. <laughs> well, that all checks out. Um... Yeah, so welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. And in the the brief pre-call, I um, I mentioned that I'm not sure exactly how I found you. I'm glad I did. And uh, what what struck me, though, once I did was that um, you're you're open about uh, being in recovery. It's, I think, sort of like in in your bio, at least in a couple places on your site. But that you... What what you're doing, and I'm going to let you explain this in just a minute, mm-hmm. is not strictly recovery focused. I mean, it's a lot of diet, it's a lot of mm-hmm. uh, exercise. Yeah, it's, I'm taking um, it to the next about, level. It's about right. It's yeah. about living a life in recovery, which yeah. is very much in right. line with yeah. um, you know where we're where we're headed. So, welcome. And uh, where where should Thanks. we start? You want to start uh, back in back in the day? Figure out how you got yeah. to be in recovery. Yeah. You have a good yeah, story. I can it's do very that. harrowing. Oh. oh yeah, I know. <laughs> um, yeah, we can we can go through that. I will try to be concise. I have this problem with um, giving a lot of detail, but um, well, we, we bring uh, it. Yeah, we've got <laughs> plenty of hard drive space. So oh, okay, yeah. all right, good. Um, so basically, I I had a pretty normal childhood. I um, I had a lot of friends. I I did well in school. I played sports. Um, I was actually a bit of like an overachiever and. I didn't actually start doing drugs or anything until I went to college. Um, I started experimenting with drugs and, and after I did that, I, I kind of, um, all of the stress that I I put myself under, um, kind of went away and I was like, Oh, this is like magical. Um, and never drank in high school, never did drugs. You just were no. Yeah. I just overachiever. Yes. And so the the stress though was the sort of the compulsion, the responsibility, the expectation to be that overachiever. Yeah. Yes. So just to, to do well. And it was never anything that, that my, my parents like 
um, instilled in me. It was just always like I, I this perfectionism and yeah. No, um, no, it was not. I wanted to make that clear, but it was not, it was always like, I had this drive to like do well and achieve and, um, be perfect at everything, which, you know, caused me many problems down the road. Yeah. But, um, so once I, once I had, I tried using drugs, I was like, Oh, this is amazing. I can like, I feel, I felt like I could breathe kind of. Yeah. And, um, what was so drug? My first drug was marijuana. Um, and I've had, I've like spoken about being in recovery before and, and people are like, Oh, you know, it is a gateway drug. And I tell them that that was just the first drug that I happened to come in contact with. I Mm -hmm. think if you had given me anything else, I probably would have tried that as well. Um, were you drinking before? Yeah. So I had one time in high school, I went to a party and I drank and, um, that was about it. And, um, in college, I was drinking very heavily. Um, I think that was probably, uh, my first like drug of choice. And Mm -hmm. so, I mean, it got to a point where I I was drinking every night and I would drink until I like passed out. And I felt like I knew there was something different about the way that I drank compared to my friends, but you know, I just, I kind of rationalized it and justified that, you know, oh, I'm in college and this mm-hmm. is what people do. But I think like deep inside, I was like, this is not normal. Like this yeah. desire to like continue and not stop. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of just tried to ignore that. And so. Yeah. Push that down. Yeah. Right. <laughs> totally. um, so I, I actually came in with a lot of advanced placement credits from high school. And so I actually ended up graduating college in three years because, um, I took like a heavy course load too, and you know, overachiever. And so I did that. I got, um, yeah, that's interesting. Like a lot of people can make it through college, right? Just be heavy drinkers, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, all right, I did it. To identify a problem when you're in that context is that's a feat in and of itself. Yeah. Like, gosh, I think I'm drinking too much when you're surrounded by people who drink. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right, right, right. It it was just something, you know, inside it was like, once I started, I, I like legitimately couldn't stop or I, I would be like really upset or like depressed if like I went to sleep before I was done drinking, like before I hit that pass out point, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It was like, I need to keep having this. Um, and I was like, that's not normal. Drink at home. Um, drink the, drink we, we drank a lot at the dorm and dorm. yeah. And, um, that was predominantly where we did it because I was still underage at that point. Right. And so, um, we did it there. And then, um, as I got older and I was old enough and got out of college, then I would go to bars with my friends and stuff and drive home all the time. Um, nice. because, uh, yeah, because I didn't want anyone to, to like take care of me or look after me. And I was like, I got this. I'm, I'm a perfect drunk driver along with all the, the perfectness. And, um, <laughs> Overachieving drunk driver. It's amazing. <laughs> um, and I actually eventually got a, a DWI. Um, and I was only pulled over because I didn't have a front license plate on my car. And oh, so really? I, perfect right, right. So then, then I said, Oh, well, if I had that, they never would have pulled me over. Mm. So I'm not going to take responsibility for this at mm. all. Right. Um, and so but so I graduated college and I had a degree in psychology and then I realized I don't really want to do anything with this degree in psychology and I don't really know what to do going forward. And so I had worked, um, at a pharmacy starting when I was in high school and all throughout college and yeah. And so I was like, yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I really, I was really good at my job. Um, I really enjoyed it and I didn't like not be, I wanted to to be a pharmacist. Basically mm. I wanted to be able to tell people things about the medicine mm. that I knew, but legally I wasn't able to. And so I was like, Hey, I'm going to go to pharmacy school. Wow. So, so, you knew, so yeah. Cause psychology would kind of give you a background of this. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That, that would too. Um, and so I, I went back to college. I had to take, uh, two years of prerequisite science courses, which I didn't take for my psychology degree, obviously. Mm. And so I applied, I got into my first try and then I, had to move out. I was still, I was living at my mom, my mom's house during those two years I was taking those classes. And so I had to move out on my own, um, because the school was in another County. And so I moved out and I got my own apartment and 
I think everything kind of escalated and spiraled a little out of control there. Um, I didn't really, I didn't really know how to deal with living on my own and all those feelings and emotions that came up. I didn't really even know how to identify them. And so the only thing that I knew was from what I started doing in college, which was I'm going to drink, um, and I'm going to do drugs. And so, um, since I was living in a new place, I didn't really know where to get drugs from anyone. So I was mainly just drinking by myself all the time. Um, and so you become a, a lone drinker. Yes. So yeah. Because uh, so whatever and start drinking. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> so I, I lived, um, two extremely different lives. So my family and my friends, um, they did not know about any of the drug use, um, except for like friends in college that I had used some drugs with, but Mm -hmm. like as it escalated, nobody really knew. They thought that I went out and I drank and I had a good time. Um, but none of the, the drug stuff, anybody knew about at all. And so, um, I, then what happened? Oh, so I, got that DWI. So Mm -hmm. I, I was in pharmacy school at this point. I had gone back home to visit some friends and that's when I got pulled over. And so I ended up, um, being put on probation and I had to go to like an alcohol rehab driving thing. And, uh, you know, it was like, at that point I decided that alcohol was like too conspicuous. Um, it gets me pulled over and, I need to find something that I can do that's not going to be so apparent like when I do it. Right. So this and is so consciously thinking this through like Yes. And what's an alcohol rehab driving thing? Yeah. <laughs> I, I know. I, I, I I've been to one of those. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, I, I didn't yeah. I wasn't that I, lucky. Run back I know. I was like that sounds like a great right? <laughs> explanation. <laughs> well, um, everybody else knows but me. Yeah, yeah. A bunch of people who get DUIs, correct yeah. me if I'm wrong. So, and, you, you know, as a as a condition of like my probation yeah. and my okay. license was suspended, I had to go and complete like 26 weeks or something like once a week I would have to go okay and um kind of intensive like yeah like it was like alcohol classes and they would randomly breathalyze you so that was another reason I was like oh well I can't drink I have to find something else that I can do and so um I decided to start taking some random pills from the pharmacy where I worked so just like the ones that were sitting around on the floor like whatever (laughs) (laughs) I swept these one for you yeah right well um we had I I worked at an independent pharmacy so the the rules were a lot more lax and um I had worked there for so long that at this point I was an assistant manager of the store and I had keys to the store. And so I was pretty familiar with the whole system. And just like, you know, when you're counting out the pills, just like take a couple or, um, we would pull expired drugs a lot. And those just kind of went into a cabinet until we returned them to the manufacturer. And so nobody really paid attention to those. So if any, any of those I felt like taking and, and because I liked about learning so much and, um, information. I was like, I just want to try all these different drugs and see how they make me feel. <laughs> it was oh, like, so that was this. your justifier. That was your justifier. Right. Com, right, 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 right. I'm like, well, I have to try all yeah, of these. I'm a yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. You know what they <laughs> do. Chemistry set time. Yeah. <laughs> I need to be able to tell people how these make you feel. That's, that's um, so I kind of, um, Worked my way through a whole bunch of different varieties of drugs, like stimulants and um, barbiturates, and I focused on uh, painkillers and opiates. Yeah. And so in the spectrum of stuff. Yeah. Your field of specialization yeah, was you got to the opiates. <laughs> right. Okay. Like, I, I got there. Yeah. Yes, and I was like, I like these. I'm not going to waste my time on any of these other drugs. And so, um, because those cause uh, a lot more physical dependence as well. Right. Um, it got to a point where I couldn't really just stop taking them. And, and there was also, you know, the, the psychological part of the addiction, just like with the drinking, it was like, I need this to function. Yep. And, um, I started taking more and more. And while I was in school, I would come back and I would work periodically because it was about two hours away from where I grew up. And so, but I would come home during the summers and things like that. So during one of those times, um, I wasn't working full time, but I went on a vacation and then I came back and I went back to work 
and then went, I think, the next day. And after that, I got a phone call that night from the sheriff's office, and they said that while I was gone, they had done a random inspection of the pharmacy because uh, they do those periodically. Mm-hmm. And so the counts of the actual counts of the medications, they pick uh, certain like uh, scheduled medications, mm. like high abuse potential ones. They, du- they just double check those. Mm. And the counts that we had in stock, uh, were way different from what it read in the computer. So wow. I was actually, I was very, it sounds like competent police. Work. Now <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, <laughs> yeah, it, was... it sounds like, right. That, yeah. You don't it... normally hear that. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> like so someone's kind of on the ball. <laughs> right. I was, I was pretty proficient at the computer system as right. well. And so I was manipulating because wow. Those drugs we have to keep very precise counts of. Mm -hmm. Um, They always have to match up. And so I would just go in and I, after I took some, I would change the count in the computer. Hmm. And, um, but when somebody actually comes in and physically counts them and looks at what we've ordered, then they can see that it's way off. And so, um, he asked me to come in and I was like, Oh my God. And so I was like, Oh, okay, sure. No problem. And, um, <laughs> I was like freaking out Let's get to and the bottom of this. I'm here to help. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, who could it be? And so I went in there and, and, you know, he was you basically like lie at this point that you're going to lay on him or. Yeah. I, I didn't really know what to do, but yeah. I went in and I was like, well, I'm not going to get caught. Cause we, I knew where the cameras were. I knew I wasn't caught on camera. And so I was like, I'm just going to wow. deny everything. And so I went in there and I, um, he was like, you know, during the times that these drugs were missing, you were really the only one that was working during those times. And I was like, well, maybe it was this person, you know, I'm oh, just trying to like yeah. trying to shift the focus on it. And, um, and basically he told me that, um, I, so I had taken an entire bottle, an entire sealed bottle. And they said that if I gave that back, then I would be charged with theft under a hundred dollars because the actual like wholesale cost of the bottle wasn't that much. Um, and so I didn't know at this point that the police could lie to you. And so I was like, okay, well, if I just, if that's it, then that's fine. You know, I'm just going to turn it in. So I gave them the bottle back, um, because they said that, you know, that's all that they would charge me with. So not all, everything else I thought wouldn't be a problem. So I, I turned the bottle in. Um, I obviously not taking the pills yet. It was still sealed. Right. It was still sealed because be, it was still sealed because I still had, so many, um, like on me at home. Yeah. Um, it's just that I, I didn't come to the pharmacy very often. So I was like, got to stock up. Right. And like any good addict, every time you were there, you would just lose. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And, um, so I lost my job, obviously. Right. Yep. Um, so I'd worked there for about eight years and mm. I had to turn over my keys to the store, to the cops. So I never even really saw my boss, um, after that. And, um, after that, I was like, okay, now I got to worry about this charge. And one day, um, a cop pulled up, I was still staying at my mom's house back at home. Um, cop pulled up, thankfully no one else was home and he served me with papers that charged me with everything that was missing from the store. Oh my God. And so a couple of those, there was no like, because it seems strange that at a pharmacy where yeah. the risk of this is probably huge, yeah, that there's no treatment. You know, like if one of our employees gets hooked on something that, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like right. with the health yeah, yeah. or whatever. It was, so I grew up in a very small town. Um, mm-hmm. There was um, small town, a lot of trust, that kind of thing. Yeah. I, don't, I don't really think they like thought about, you know, addiction. It was yeah. a very small company. There was like, like eight people that work there maybe. Yeah. And so, um, and at this point it wasn't, I don't think it was my boss that was doing it because the state had been involved, you know, the state discovered sure, sure. this. So, yeah. you know, yeah. they were the ones to press charges. And so, um, you know, a couple of the, the possible sentences were like double digit felonies wow. and I didn't really know what to do. So of course, um, not knowing how to deal with any of this and not telling my family or anyone, I just started using more drugs because I had no idea what to do. And, um, I started buying, um, the same drugs and then 
now without an income, I realized that I couldn't continue to do that. And so, um, I wasn't ready to stop using. And so I had the great idea. Um, one of my favorite shows at the time was the wire and I was in Maryland, Hmm. um, Baltimore watching the wire. Like, this is great. Yeah. So I was like, I love the wire. This is great. I know that they have heroin in Baltimore. I'm just going to drive to Baltimore and I'm going to ask people on the street where to find heroin. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I do it. <laughs> because I didn't know like anybody in the county I was living in. Yeah. I had no idea oh where to God. go. That is, so, that is the ultimate pardon me, sir. addict yeah. story, right? Yes, that's what I did. I went up there. Um, the first person I met was named Porkchop. Of course. And, <laughs> <Old> porky. <laughs> and um, I, I just, you know, I was like, excuse me, do you know where I can get any heroin? <laughs> <laughs> did you like go to a so, certain corner or like where did you even think? Yeah, I don't, I had no idea. So I had no idea where I was going. I just drove around until I thought I saw shady people. It was great <laughs> uh, stereotyping on <laughs> my part. And, um, I was like, Hey, and so, um, that's how I started using heroin the and pork chop hooked you up. Yeah. Pork chop hooked me up, but he gave me, he gave me his number and then I went, I went back and I went to call him again the next time I wanted to come up and some lady answered and she was not happy that I was calling for pork chop. And so, (laughs) so I had, I I went up, (laughs) I went up there again and did the same thing. I just asked random people and I actually met, um, a very, a very nice man. Um, (laughs) sounds weird. And he, he was the one that I would, um, like call and go up with. And so his drug of choice was crack. And so I would give him like 10 bucks. I would go up there. I'd give him like 10 bucks and then he would, um, take me to go and get heroin. And it was like an intermediary drug. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. And, And, uh, this was a financial decision really ultimately to seek out heroin was that you couldn't afford to buy the pills anymore and (laughs) yes yes i mean that's the that's how it goes right absolutely i i was i was using so much that um i mean the pills were selling for 80 dollars for one pill Hmm. whereas i could um get like spend ten dollars and get like a capsule full of heroin Hmm. and so um so you were sort of out there shooting heroin at the shallow end of this curve of this epidemic right yeah. You're out. Yes. Yeah. Before. Yeah. yeah. Um, I got in early. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, Overachiever. Right. Right. Overachiever. <laughs> yeah. And um, so I actually I actually taught myself how to shoot heroin um, because I was in pharmacy school. So I had that knowledge. And mm-hmm. then I just looked it up on the Internet about what I what I was supposed to do. Wow. And um, don't try this could... at home, kids. Yeah. Wow. So it it was really, really crazy like to look back at it. And I was doing this by myself alone in my apartment or like in my car in the streets of Baltimore. And it's just crazy that like I didn't die and right. overdose and like, and nobody would have known cause nobody knew I was doing this at all. Mm-hmm. And, um, no one knew you were doing this. No, nobody. And like how, how often are you going down and how long does this period last? Um, so it was about, I did heroin for about three months. Um, until I had like no money. I was taking cash advances on my credit cards. I was selling stuff and it it got to a point where I was like, you know, I I can only do this for so long. I still have these court charges that are pending that, that I managed to hide from everyone. And, um, I, I just didn't know like what to do. I was so tired of like waking up and doing the same thing. And, and I knew that like, this is not where I wanted my life to go. Like, this isn't where I saw myself yeah. <laughs> going, obviously. To say the least. Right. And so, um, you know, one day I woke up and I was like, I, I just, I can't do this anymore. And I'm, and, and I need to do something. And so I, I started calling rehabs in the area and, um, I finally got into one. I, they told me initially that I would have to bring somebody with me because they were going to give me I don't, some medication and they didn't want me to drive home on it. And, uh, and I was like, Oh, well, I don't know anybody here, so I, I can't go to rehab. Sorry. And then I got off the phone and I was like, great, I don't have to go to rehab. Um, and they actually called me back and, and they were like, we just want you to come, come here like regardless. And so that is when I went and that was, 
Uh, my clean date is May 20th. Yeah. 2010. And yeah. And so I did that. Um, I did their like intensive outpatient rehab program. I started going to meetings and Baltimore. This is in, it's in Montgomery County. Um, it's, it's close to Baltimore. And, um, I, so I was clean for about three months and then, but I still had to go to my sentencing for, um, stealing. And I went there and I brought like all these people from my program with me to like testify how awesome I'm doing. And, um, so I thought I was going to kind of just walk away and the judge kind of threw the book at me Mm. and I got sentenced to 12 months in jail and I had to pay restitution, like a couple thousand dollars in restitution. I had community service um, and I had five years of probation, which wow. just, ended yeah, just ended last month. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> wow. And this so is like, all, no one in your life was really aware. I mean, no one in your family. No, like, no. So, sentencing and they're like, Hey, <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I had, you know, <laughs> I actually don't remember when I told them. Um, obviously I think it was before I went into rehab or right after I went into rehab. Um, you know, I, I told my family, hmm. um, and you close to your family at that point because you were so isolated, but had <laughs> yeah, you been? Yeah, 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 Like you grew up close to them, right? Yeah. yeah. And um, it it was it was easier for me to do because I, I lived like two hours away. I would just kind of avoid phone calls or check in periodically. And, you know, if they don't see you all the time, then mm-hmm. it's much easier to, yeah. to hide all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I they took me immediately from jail. I mean, immediately from the courtroom to jail. Um, uh, I spent nine months there mm-hmm. and... Oh I got out, um, you know, good, orange, good behavior. <laughs> orange jumpsuits. Uh, yeah. Orange yeah, is the new black. Some, it's, is, yes. Was it like that? <laughs> no, it was actually really boring. Cause it was that same small, I, it was back, you know, where, where I grew up. And so it was small town, like I detention see, center. Okay. And it gotcha. was really boring. <laughs> um, wow. and so I got out and then I kind of started to rebuild, um, everything. So I didn't really know what to do. I wasn't allowed to work in a pharmacy anymore, obviously, which mm-hmm. was probably a good thing. Oh yes. I was kicked out of pharmacy school. Um, obviously. And, um, I just, I kept trying to, to apply for jobs. It took me about three months to even get a job because the background checks would show that I got convicted of theft and everything. And, um, I finally got a job as a receptionist and then I, I ended up working in admin for a couple years. Um, I got married during that time and then we moved to Chicago at the end of 2014. So that's where I am now. Okay. And when we moved here, I kind of wanted to change everything around and, and I became certified as a personal trainer. So I do that and I, um, teach some classes and, um, and I work on my blog, which I didn't even mention at all yet either. No, so we haven't. And we'll have, we'll yeah. So that's all of that. That's a that's great story. That wow. is a heck of a story. And I <laughs> told you in the pre-callers yeah. telling Aaron that like just coming from outside the rooms yeah. and we didn't even talk about that. If you're, uh, yeah. yeah. Going to, going to one of those in the rooms, out 12 of the rooms, step recovery type. Yeah. Okay. I was very in the very 12 step recovery, um, until just about recently. So, um, I just haven't found a lot of, um, like meetings that really clicked here in Chicago. Um, I switched to a different fellowship for a little while. And, um, I mean, I, am always uh, like a huge advocate and I, I always will go there if, you know, anything comes up, but it's just not, not as often anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's uh, but so I was mentioning in the pre-call, I talked about how for me being outside of the rooms, like every story I still you know, I don't hear as many stories, yeah. I guess. And they're just yeah, all yeah. fascinating. That was like, that was a good one. Yeah. Thanks. thanks. <laughs> I share. Yeah, that thanks. was a good one. Yeah. yeah. If you're in the room, uh, that's a, that's a yeah. story of today. Yeah. yeah. That's a story. Yeah. Very much in the now. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, Where do you live in Chicago? Um, I am just right downtown in Chicago. I'm in River North. Okay. Matt, Matt Clarner and I will help you with meetings. You've been, you haven't been yeah. in the mustard seed, have you? No, but I just, I saw that recently and mm-hmm. I was like, what is this place? I thought it was like an Indian grocery store. And I looked it up and yeah. I was like, oh. Indian grocery store stroke. A- a- right, a- right. And the, and the Lincoln Park Calano Club. Yeah. We'll tell you. And Matt okay. has some good yeah. things there. Yeah. It's, uh, I got sober up there. Yeah. But, oh, okay. But, nice. But I digress. Okay. okay. No, okay. I, I mean, that's yeah. every, I think uh, it's interesting that everybody uh, sort of has a Chicago yeah. sobriety experience. Actually, Chicago is where my 
the very early stages of my downward spiral began in a okay. long, miserable winter in Chicago. Oh, no. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, can see that. You can do heroin just yeah. to get over the cold. That's right, the right. It, it was, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, ordering some, there's some place by where we lived where if you ordered food, they would deliver beer. So I'd order like oh. uh, a, a, nice. slice, a, a loaf of garlic bread and a yeah. case of beer. <laughs> And so I didn't have to leave my apartment and uh, just a case of beer in my bedroom. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but wow. yeah. So and then uh, in Chicago is where you began Aaron's inside job. Yeah, I actually started it um, in Virginia. We lived oh, okay. in Virginia for a little bit. Gotcha. Um, so I started it there, but um, you know, it didn't really like take full shape. I think in, until uh, I came out here. Okay. And, and what's cool is, and if, I, again, I'm not sure how I did come across you or, or find yeah. your, your story, um, but, um, you know, Aaron's inside job, what you're doing is, is very much in line with mm-hmm. what we're talking a lot about lately mm-hmm. is that, you know, uh, so many people in recovery do move in the opposite direction, move mm-hmm. to, to, you know, health inside and out mm-hmm. and working out. And there's so many runners and bike, mm-hmm. bike bikers yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I don't know, yoga practitioners. Yep. Like, what, are you, mm-hmm. what are you guys called? Mm-hmm. Yogis? Yeah, yeah. Yogis. Yeah, there. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and then uh, just from a, a food standpoint too, everybody gets mm. into eating much more. Healthy. Yeah. I remember yeah. my first year, I, I, I was actually living at home with my mom. And I told her, I'm not, I'm not going to eat butter or cheese. And she goes, <laughs> well, I don't know who's going to cook for you then, but <laughs> I'm making stuff with butter and cheese. Yeah. Um, but... Um, but the proclamation right. just, it yeah. says it all, right? Yeah. All right, like right. Like, how bad you want to change. Yeah. It is yeah. funny. We were talking about that. Like, your first year, you just, you know, when you get the fever and, you know, it's mm-hmm. whatever it takes. And some people have a, a rough time getting to that point. But when you're ready and yeah. you're like, and you want to change everything. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Smoke, and I want to, you know, you try all yes. the, Yeah. I'm going to get, start working out like crazy. You want to do that, which is yeah. great. Yeah. Um, and so that's actually uh, one of the reasons I wanted to become a personal trainer, too, and why I even started my blog, because... Um, after I, I got clean and I, um, I kind of stopped going to as many meetings. I was still going to a pretty good amount, but, um, I think it was like over a year, maybe it was like a year and a half. And, um, I was like, everything's going good. And I got this job and I got promoted and, um, I started running more and it, it turned into, um, me abusing exercise mm-hmm. and food the same way I did with drugs. Wow. Um, it got to a point where I was keeping like a separate Google calendar with all of my runs and I would always have to like run faster or farther. Right. I ended up giving myself like a stress fracture in my leg because I was running like 12 <laughs> miles back to back, like wow. the one day after the next. Oh, and then I started, um, just obsessing about like my food and then like what I, what I was eating. And it was all about that control. You know what I mean? And yeah, yeah. Yeah. On the healthy side. And I was like, I can't have any sugar whatsoever. And, um, it was just, it was nonsense. And so I, I would be like, it, it got to a point where, um, I would be like sad if I couldn't, have a snack before bed or I would like eat my last thing of the day. And then I would be like, Oh, can't have any more food. (laughs) And I was like, what is this? I'm like, this is not normal. So I started like telling people, I, I told people in meetings and people that I knew from recovery. And, you know, even just like saying that out loud helped me realize like, this is a little insane. And so, um, that's how kind of, I became aware that like, it's not always about the drugs. It's about like the addiction and it's about the control. And like, that's why I used in the first place is to just not have to deal with like what's going on in life. And so that's what I was doing with those other things. And so I've gotten really like, um, really focused on just being balanced Mm -hmm. and like being happy because I can go very like black and white and I'm just trying to like find the gray and like be okay in that. And so Mm -hmm. I thought by like, doing the training and everything. I've always been like pretty, pretty active anyway, but this way I could help like in a more well-rounded sure. way to, to like help them reach their goals. And in, stuff. in a way it's like sort of less focused on you and it's, it's using your powers for yes. somebody else's better yeah. in a sense. Right. Yeah. Which is, which is cool. Um, and, uh, you know, you've mentioned a couple of times sort of moods and feelings and mm-hmm. uh, do you, uh, I hope you don't mind my asking, suffer yeah. from like depression, anxiety? Yes, like actually. Okay. So I, um, I think just last <laughs> year I, um, 
just last year I started, I actually went to a real therapist, so I'd never been to one before. And, um, I went to a therapist and then my husband and I were having some issues. So we went to a couple's therapist and it was just a whole mess of a year last year. Mm. And, um, and from that, you know, she was like, um, I think that you are clinically depressed. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what? And I was like, no, <laughs> because you're depressed. I, yeah, you're, that? you're depressed. Um, so I had always, um, I had always had like really intense, like periods of sadness or whatever. And mm. I was just like, no, I just feel things, you know, mm-hmm. m- more strongly. And I felt more comfortable being sad and just sure. everything like that. And so after she said that, I was like, Oh, maybe, maybe that's a reason. And so I, um, I actually started on medication because I, at this point I'm already living a pretty healthy life. I exercise regularly. Like those are, you know, the things I tell people to like start doing first. Mm -hmm. And, and obviously that didn't seem to matter. So I started on medication and it made such a huge difference. Um, I like, during last, last year, I had to like work myself up to even like do the laundry, you know, Mm -hmm. I'd be like, okay, now you got to go do this. And I was like, this probably isn't normal. And, um, so, um, that's been, I don't know, for about six months or so now. And it's, um, it's helped so much. And it's like, I didn't even, I didn't even realize there was this depression and especially the anxiety part of it until it was gone. Yeah. And I was like, oh, all right, this is much wow. better. So you had, had, you had that your whole life and it was all of a sudden just left it? I, I think so, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, looking back, it would, make, it would make a lot of sense. Um, well, it sounds like even when you were talking about those periods earlier, you know, of drinking and then of, of yeah. using on your own. And, you, you, I mean, you mentioned, I think, sort of being sad and having, yeah. being emotional and feeling yes. un- unhappy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It sounds like, um, yeah, depression. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, well, that's, and, uh, you know, I'm certainly, I know there are factions or contingents of people that aren't fully on board with a medication. Mm-hmm. I am fully on board with medication yeah, yeah, yeah. on a couple myself. And, you know, um, you know, we exercise is terrific. I mean, we, right. we all try to have that, add that component, yeah. but, um, you know, I, I, tell people like one of the most fit people I know, a friend of mine is a, you know, he's a ultra marathoner uh-huh. and, uh, you know, he suffers from depression and anxiety. Yeah, it's like, yeah. you can do as much exercise as you want, but if it's going to get you, it's going to get you. So, I know. I um, know. <clears throat> um, so that's, that's interesting. And, and so it's, a, mm-hmm. it's relatively new to you. Yes. And, but you're, you're definitely feeling it, which is great. Um, yeah, it's yeah. great. I mean, um, not the depression, but yeah. No, 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 no but it's great to, to find some, you know, relief, right? Right, right. To, like, have have yeah. a reason for it, you yeah. know what I mean? And you're like, oh, okay. That's what that was. Right. And I'm, so I'm curious also, when in sobriety, lots of we you, people hit bottoms with all kinds of things, and it sounds like you had this crazy bottom with exercise. Yes, food, yeah. Obsession, depression, mm, yeah. all this stuff. Yep. Do you remember the turning point in that, or do you remember the day where it just came crashing down, or was there a... Um, I think I got to deal with this. Yeah. Um, so I think with the, with the exercise and the food thing, it, Mm -hmm. it, I think probably the thing I remember most vividly is just that being, being sad when I can't have a snack at night. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, uh, no. Um, because you know, I had gotten, I was, I was in recovery. And so like, I could, I can recognize like these thoughts and things that I'm having. And and it's a lot of like introspection and Mm -hmm. I'm like, this is not a normal thing. And then I just wasn't ready to like talk to anybody about it because then I knew that I would have to change it. (laughs) But, um, I think that was the point where I was like, Oh, okay, maybe let me do something about this. And also when I injured myself and then I couldn't run for, for two weeks and I was like, this is also not normal. Um, and I think with the, with the depression stuff, um, it, I, I actually had a thought. So even while I was using during all of that time, I had never had any kind of like suicidal thoughts or anything Mm -hmm. because I was, I was always more concerned about the other people and Mm -hmm. what it would do to them. And so I was like, well, I can't do that. That's not an option. And so, but last year, um, all of a sudden one day I just had this idea that I was like, well, I wish that I could just erase myself. Mm -hmm. And if I just never existed at all, I couldn't hurt anybody. They would never know about it. And Mm -hmm. that everything would be so much better. And so that's when I, you know, I told that to my therapist and she was like, you know, that's still a suicidal thought, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I was like, 
Oh, okay. <laughs> and, and so that kind of scared me because I'd never had any thought like that. And yeah. so I was like, all right, let's, let's do something about this. Wow. Yeah. And so is all this kind of the blog sort of, I assume was you telling this just therapy almost writing this thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's amazing because I, I, um, when I, when I entered recovery, I had, I had no words for like feelings that I had. I didn't even know like how to identify what they were. Um, cause like growing up, I didn't, I didn't really learn a lot of that stuff, how to be like in touch with emotions and feelings and everything. And so I didn't know how to express them. And, um, but I was always a very good writer and I was introverted and that's how I got a lot of thoughts and, and things out. And so I was actually reading other blogs and, and this one girl had gone through an eating disorder and, you know, she talked about it on there and I was like, well, this is amazing. Um, because I feel like I have a pretty unique story and I feel like I could help other people who may be going through these things. And so that's actually what made me start it. And then from there, it was just kind of like an outpouring of just everything, just things mm-hmm. that like yeah. I learned in recovery and then just about, um, health and fitness in general. And I wrote a lot about running in the beginning because I was, um, running, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, but like how to kind of, how to kind of balance that. And, and there was more straightforward things like how to train for a, a half marathon and that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. But, um, I always put in like those feeling types of posts. And, um, another thing that was really important for me to do was to share, basically my story and everything that I had gone through because while I was, while I was using, um, there were so many lies and so many like double lives. And if I wanted to change who I was and, and get better and become a better person, I I felt like I had to do like the complete opposite. So just to have that like transparency, Mm -hmm. put everything on the table. Um, and that made like such a huge difference because I was always like hiding and, Mm -hmm you know, lying and doing all this stuff. And so that's why I did that. There's something, yeah, there's something incredibly solid about, you can't really go back once you put that out there, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely, (laughs) definitely not. And I, I actually, I didn't put it out, um, for a a little while because I talked about it like vaguely, Mm -hmm. but I was still working like in an office setting and I didn't know if, you know, somebody at work would find it, if it would be an issue. And so, um, pork chop's wife. Right, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And so I found, um, once I got closer with those people at work, I told like a few of them and they were all really supportive. And so then I was like, Hey, I have this blog. And then like, that's when I kind of put it out there. And then now when I moved out here and I'm kind of like self-employed, then I was like, whatever, (laughs) talk about it all the time. (laughs) <laughs> Which is cool. And what I love too about, I mean, Aaron's inside job is that, I mean, the first line of your, your bio on the front page talks about mm-hmm. being a recovering addict, but then yeah. the, the site itself feels like that's not, not the, almost not right. the focus. It's what informs it. And I was talking to you about this earlier too, that I, I what's why I really, um, I don't know. I, I like that about it is that it's yeah. that idea of, and I can't remember how I was phrasing it earlier, but mm-hmm. recovery's not ev- not all of it's not um it's not the main thing but it's always with us sort of thing, right right, yeah. right. It's yeah. What it informs mm-hmm. what we do um and i just like that you know it's yeah. it's your personal training and your your i love um the 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 dietary stuff i, mean, I don't even know what yeah. to call it so i apologize if it's not called diet oh no no yeah no, information that, recipes and, and yeah foods the recipes that you like. and stuff and I'll, I'll tell you what you have some <laughs> i keep looking at this one picture of is it you holding a gigantic sandwich? <laughs> yeah. I was just going right. to say, don't go to my Instagram account because my Instagram is just nonsense food pictures. I know, I'm what, a little obsessed with taking pictures of food. Well, it looks like good. a delicious sandwich. But. <laughs> You're going to be very good at it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so that's that's the balance part. See? Yeah. <laughs> Yes, but a lot but of as sandwiches. far as a recovery resource, I mean, I'm just just being new to it. I think it's it's phenomenal. It's the sort of thing that probably, Oh, thanks. Um, it's refreshing because yeah. abstinence oh, is just a, a part of the equation, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, <clears throat> definitely. Um, and I, uh, so that that was another one of my one of my goals was that because I'm like not your stereotypical addict, like what you think of when you think of an addict. That's why I thought it was important to like put a face with it, um, to bring it out, you know, help break that stigma Mm -hmm. and, um, and to kind of 
make recovery like relatable to Mm -hmm. people who aren't even in it. Because I found like with the, with 12 step stuff, um, it was so relevant to, even if you're not even an addict, I felt like it could help so many people, um, just everyone. And so, um, just kind of, I share things that I've learned throughout recovery. Um, and a lot of people who read it are not, and they're like, Oh, this is so great. And you're, you're always like, so introspective and I never thought about it this way and blah, blah, blah. Without even really like referencing, I learned this in recovery. You know what I mean? So, um, it's been really helpful. The prism of recovery is so powerful and the way that you learn how to live afterwards is such a spiritual way of living anyway that, and it's so transformational and, and having gone through it, you learn so much that the rest of your life becomes Focus through this prism of recovery, right? Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's great to yeah. See, you start making choices across the spectrum. They're sober, right? right? right. <laughs> They're mm-hmm, yeah. In this world, literally. Yeah. So yeah. to have all of that is is awesome. Yeah. Okay, you, wait. I have I have a little bit of crosstalk. Can I do some crosstalk? Yeah, <laughs> I think it. you should go back to an AA meeting more. Because here's me. what happened yeah. to me. Yes, young lady. Okay. Because, <laughs> well, <laughs> Damn it. When I moved, I was in Chicago and I had all these awesome meetings in Chicago at the Mustard Seated and Lincoln Park Animal Club. And I moved to St. Louis uh-huh. and they weren't like Chicago meetings because they were yeah. in St. Louis. Yeah. And so I kind of did go for a while and I was like, oh, these people are, they don't know what they're doing here. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And then pretty soon I was smoking pot every day. And I mm. did my two years of marijuana maintenance program and it didn't work for me. <laughs> so I'm just saying, I'm not going to say it's happening to you, but there are good meetings in Chicago that you can find them. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, so I need to get back into that. So I found what I, <laughs> what, what I found he was is pointing while he was yeah. saying that. Was it um, promotion or attraction? Sorry, nice. Nice. Okay. okay. Um, the, the meetings that I was um, going to, I felt like they were all just kind of like, um, just repeating like slogans mm. over and over again. They were very helpful for like newcomers, yeah, but mm-hmm. I got, I got to a point where I was like, okay, I feel like I have a handle on this, but I, I would like to know, I would like to go back and figure out like, why did this start in the first yeah, place? No, no. That kind of thing. And yeah. so I, that's when I switched fellowships and, um, I was going to like adult children meetings, um, which actually really helped a lot. And it was, um, it was great cause they're all like adult Adult children are like very, like I was, so very overachieving mm-hmm. perfectionists. So like their their literature is like this humongous thick book, and it's all like scholarly sounding. And I'm like, all right, I like it. I like you people. <laughs> yeah, you guys are great. Give me homework. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, they were. Um, that was actually really really helpful too. And um, so I need to do all all that. So. Yeah, having brought that up, I've been um, meaning to ask: is is there a uh, family component? Um, yes. Okay. So there is. Um, you don't have to. I mean, whatever you want. Yeah, to yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I do. Um, one one person I know is in active addiction, and I don't really know a lot about um, the family history on both sides, okay. um, but I think that there's also something there, probably, okay. <laughs> obviously. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I guess there always is. I, nope. Yeah, I, I, I yeah. Mean, yeah, Has anyone ever said is. no to that question? I know. I don't right, know why right. I, I don't know why I always ask it. I'm the first one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe. Come yeah. from a long line of sober, sober, sober. <laughs> Except for me. That's funny. You know, and I, I uh, just going back really quickly, I, I meant to ask. So you met your husband when you were in recovery. Yes. On probation. Yes. He had never seen you use, didn't know the person used to be at all. No. Um, so How he, we actually met in recovery. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, um, we did that. He, he, yep. He had a year more than I did. And then, um, he 13 stepped you. (laughs) No, actually we were friends first. And then during that three month period. And then I went to jail and then, um, after I got out is when we kind of started dating. So we kind of wrote letters in jail. (laughs) How romantic. (laughs) Very romantic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So did he come visit you? Actually, he went to come visit me and I filled out, you have to like write the people that are going to come visit you and they put it on a list and, um, he was on my list and they wouldn't let him come in for some reason. Like my other friends were able to come in except for him. We were still friends at this point. And I was like, Oh, I wanted to see him the most. (laughs) Jail. Yeah. Right. (sighs) All right. Well, um, 
let's see. Do we? Is there anything uh, we didn't talk about? We should have. You wish we had. You want to? Um, I don't think so. I think um, that's it. If so, if if you're not familiar with Erin, uh, you should familiarize okay. yourself. Her website, Erin's Inside Job, is terrific. And um, you can find all her social media links, I'm pretty sure, right on the front page, right? Yeah. Yep. They're all right there. Yep. Um, And uh, yeah, it's fantastic. And if you're in Chicago, she's a personal trainer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good. I like that. Do you find find that you get people in recovery seeking you out through this? Um, I have... Oh, so actually, no, not yet. Um, And I don't know if anybody is that I'm training... Um, I think they're but, good candidates. Yes, yeah. I agree. No, we, I agree. We, talk, we talk a lot about that lately. Yeah. Just we've all sort of gotten into our yeah. our things, um, yeah. you know, throughout recovery and yeah. But the first year is a good time. People yeah. want to like change their lives. Yeah. yeah, it's true. I was actually I was trying to put together like a program to go into um, some some rehabs or yeah, some places I mean, here to like give classes, but there good. aren't any right here in the city that have like residential programs that are like big enough or Mm -hmm. like spaces that are big enough, I would have to probably go out to the suburbs somewhere, Mm -hmm. um, to find one. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Yeah. Stay off the Kennedy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us, Aaron. It's uh, yeah. it was awesome. Yeah, was yeah thanks for having me. It was great. All right. And I'll uh, follow up with you tomorrow yeah. about when All it's right. out. Usually it's by noon. All right? Okay. Yeah. Cool. That's great. Thanks, and I'll Aaron. share it everywhere. You're welcome. Thanks. All right. Thanks. All right. Take Bye. care. Bye.